The sermon this morning is titled, A Mind to Work. This story, uh, this title came from a verse in Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 6, that's been on my mind uh, for a good bit of time lately. Um, And I've just been trying to get this thing. better? All right. Let's try this again. All right. Um, lost my train of thought. Sorry. Give me one second. Uh, we've been looking at this verse simply because this is something that I've uh, personally have struggled with uh, in the past and it's something that I would like to talk to you guys about today and that's the mind to work. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 is discussing what happened when Nehemiah goes back to the uh, city of Jerusalem. Before we get there, I want to give you a little bit of background on this story. First off, the people of Judah, if you remember your Old Testament history, the people of Judah were carried away to Babylon and kept in captivity. Jerusalem was completely wiped out. It was destroyed. The temple was torn down. The entire city of Jerusalem was absolutely obliterated. The Jews at that point had been in captivity for about 70 years. So they've been captive away from their homeland, the land that God gave them for at least 70 years. The city of God, Jerusalem, has been destroyed because the people were not doing what they needed to do. And God allowed the Babylonians to take them away. Nehemiah is a character of this, chapter, of this book that is a cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes in Babylon, and he makes a request. He asks permission from Artaxerxes to go back to Jerusalem so that he can rebuild this city of his fathers. So what happens? Nehemiah, uh, Artaxerxes grants that request. Nehemiah goes back, and he goes back for about three days and figures out what all needs to be done. He doesn't let anybody know he's there, walks around, tries to figure out all the work that needs to be done. Now, we'll say this is not the first, he's not the first group of Jews to come back to Jerusalem. Prior to this, Ezra has also brought some people back. So if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, know that these stories are going almost at the same time. Ezra is a little bit before that, and he's brought some people back, and they've already started building the temple. But Nehemiah feels the need, after he's heard what's going on in Jerusalem, to come back and work and to help and figure out what he can do to rebuild Jerusalem. After he's looked at this work and the, what needs to be done at this city, Nehemiah talks to the people there. And he says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also for the words of the king, the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Now we'll say with this story, there's some opposition to Nehemiah. There are three men that want nothing to do with this work. In fact, they want it to stop. Because if the Jews come back and if the Jews take over the land and all these men lose all the property they've now gotten from this uh, people being taken away, 
They're going to lose all the influence that they've had and the people around them. These people do not want the Jews to come back and let alone rebuild the city that was prominent to the Jewish people. But this verse, to me, is extremely powerful. So we built the wall, and all the walls were joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. This is the most powerful statement to me in this entire book, because what it tells me is that not only did Nehemiah have the desire to travel hundreds of miles to get back to Jerusalem to build the city that his fathers lived in. Not only did he have that desire and zeal for God to make the city of God a glorious place once again so, the, so that the temple of God would be protected. Not only did that happen, but the people, all of the people around him were, had a mind to work. And they were just as zealous, just as ready to work, ready to have that same goal that Nehemiah had. I believe as you read this story and, and keep, them, keep in mind the idea of a mind to work, there's three different ways that we can, sh we can show that we can have a mind to work. There are three different things that I believe need, are needed to have a mind to work. We need to have a mind to be dedicated. We need to have a mind to endure. And we have, need to have a mind to succeed. We're going to talk about these three points this morning. The first thing that we're going to talk about is a mind to be dedicated. Nehemiah chapter 22, verse 20, and I reply to them, God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. He is talking to the three men that have jeered and taunted and, and completely uh, uh, berated him about wanting to come and build this wall. He's talking to his men, and, he's, and he says, we are, his, we are God's servants, and we will arise and build. Nehemiah was dedicated. His mind was set, and he was dedicated to do the work that God had set out for him. Now, I want you to understand that they ran into some problems. They ran into problems. This project was not a small project. It was a daunting task. Because if you think about it, the entire city of Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon uh, 70 years ago. They have just started within 13 to, to 15 years prior to that, started rebuilding the temple and things like that. So this city has been laid ruin by this country, and now they're just starting to rebuild. That's a huge task. They were taunted and, and uh, ridiculed by the people around them, all the nations around them. They were threatened by those same men that said that they didn't want them to build. They said they were going to threaten them, plot against them to kill them, to stop this work, to keep it from happening. And also, they had some internal fighting going on as well. So you, you see, based off of this, they had every excuse, every reason given to man to quit and to stop. They had a huge task ahead of them. They were being made fun of for wanting to do it in the first place. They were physically threatened, and then they couldn't get along. Sounds kind of familiar at times, doesn't it? We see the work that we, that's put in front of us as God's people, and we think this is 
how are we supposed to, to evangelize to the whole world? That's a daunting task. How can we do that? People out in the world are going to make fun of me. I don't want to spread God's word. I don't want to do the work. People aren't going to like the work I do. We may be threatened by people around us because they don't want us to preach God's message. Because they don't want us to do the work in the area to be an impact in the community. Or maybe we fight amongst ourselves about what the best practices are. What's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? I, don't, I got offended because I didn't like the way she, he said this thing. Or vice versa. We end up fighting against each other. And instead of having a mind to be dedicated, we have a mind to fight. Instead of having a mind to work together, we have, end up having a mind to tear apart. But to have a mind to work requires a mind to be dedicated, to be, be able to put, a, put aside all the problems, to put aside all the excuses, everything that we could come up with, and just do the work. You know, Jesus tells of a parable where men gave excuses. The Lord had pre prepared a great feast, and he'd asked certain people to come, and they all alike began to make excuses. First said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go see it, and please have me excused. And more and more excuses. One was, I, I have just gotten married. I've gotten, I've got to uh, train my oxen. Quite honestly, some ridiculous excuses in the grand scheme of things. To not, in this, in that specific instance, go to the feast of the king. But let's, say, let's, let's bring it back home here. We can come up with some pretty ridiculous excuses not to work. We can come up with some ridiculous reasons not to do some things for God. Not to talk to people about the, about the Bible. To choose not to help when things are asked of us to help. We can come up with some pretty, pretty uh, ridiculous excuses. And you know what that leads to? Do you know what that reminds me of? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. You know, I've, th this verse makes me laugh every time I hear it because it's, uh, the way I read it and the way I hear it, the lazy person, just because the idea of a threat is out there, well, I'm not going to even step, my, step a foot outside the door because I may die. That's like saying I'm not going to walk outside because a car might hit me. There's, there, there's, there's some legitimacy to some reasons for not being able to do th some things, but a lazy person is going to find reasons not to do something regardless. If we don't have a mind to be dedicated, we're going to find a reason to not work. And it may be as ridiculous, there's a lion in the street. I might die because there's a lion out there. You know, with these problems, we have a lot of uh, examples of what happened with Nehemiah. Just like we have many problems in our lives, just like we have many reasons to give up, reasons to not work, Nehemiah had those, and he could have very easily uh, quit his project. What did he do with the daunting task? He divided up the work. He wasn't in charge of doing it all by himself. He split it up. He took this huge task 
and made it into bite-sized, manageable pieces and separated it out within the group of people and set people in charge so that they could all be a part and do things to the common good. The people had a mind to work. They were all willing to do it. And Nehemiah took advantage of that. What about the taunts and ridicule? He prayed and kept working. Now he prayed and said, God, please remember us. We are despised. Please keep us in, in mind. Please turn their taunts back on them. And he kept working. He didn't let that keep him from doing what he was told to do, what he needed to do. The threats of disruption, of fighting, he stationed guards. He put people out who held spears and shields and swords ready to take on the threat. And then he resolved his interior, the issues from the inside. He resolved those issues very quickly. Told the people that were wrong they were wrong and got the problems fixed and moved on. You know, when he, what we can do many times is when we find those excuses and come up with those excuses or reasons not to work, reasons not to be dedicated, reasons not to work, what we can do a lot of times is not find solutions. Rather than find a solution, we want to say that the problem's there, so we're done. We don't want to, we don't want to fix the issues. We don't want to fix the problems. We don't want to find a solution for the reason that we, don't, we can't work. We'd rather hold on to that excuse and that problem and that issue rather than find a solution. As Christians that are wanting to do the work in 2020, as College Park members, let's not give excuses. Let's not find reasons to not work. Let's not find reasons not to do things. Let's find reasons to. Let's find solutions to the problems. Let's find reasons to make God's kingdom here in this place a force for good, not a force for shame. To have a mind to work, you need to have a mind to endure. You know, these people had to endure a lot of stuff in that short time. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4, Oh, hear us, oh, hear, hear, O oh, our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts on their own heads. Give them up to the plunders in the land which they, where they are captives. This is Nehemiah talking again to God, praying to God after these men have, have taunted and jeered and have threatened him. And he is saying, God, please hear us. Because he's having to endure all of this while leading this people. You know, enduring that the jeers and taunts may not be a big deal. But you know, to overcome the physical threats against them. He had to station people at the gates, at the walls, to, 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 to protect the people that were working. Not only did he have to do that, but then also the people that were actually working had to have a sword on their hip at all times. The people that were carrying rocks back and forth, all the rubble and debris back and forth from the wall to wherever they were going, had to always have a sword in their hand. That sounds like a really annoying thing to have to do. While you're working, you always got to have something to protect yourself. I wonder how many times in the, t the, the, the period of time that they were building this, did the people say, I am done with this. This is annoying. This is ridiculous. 
Why are we doing it this way? I could work so much better with two hands rather than one. They found a bunch of reasons, could have found a bunch of reasons to say, this is not worth it, I quit. What I want to tell you this morning is sometimes work's not pleasant. That's life, I'm sorry. Sometimes work isn't pleasant. Sometimes it is. There are times that it's very rewarding. Most of the time it's very rewarding. But that doesn't make it pleasant. And it doesn't make it easy. How easy do you think would it be to carry a stone that you're building a wall out of with one hand? How easy do you think it would have been to always be watching your back, thinking that somebody's going to shoot an arrow in your back, or somebody's going to come kill you while you're trying to work, do something good? I'm sure it was difficult. In no way did that change what that work was for. In no way did it change the mindset that they had to work. It gave them a reason to endure. Now, Paul is a perfect example of a person who has to endure, who had to endure the work. And by work, there's a lot of different things that I can, uh, we can mean by that, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But in general, he's talking, he has dealt with spreading the gospel. He is converting people. And what Paul says to Timothy is suffer as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You know, there may be a little bit of suffering in, to endure. Do you have a mind to endure? Let us not grow weary in doing well or of doing good. For in due seasons we will reap if we do not give up. You know, this is the same guy, Paul, who was stoned almost to death. He had multiple shipwrecks. He was beaten multiple times. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was alone. He endured so much for the, the cause of Christ. And he says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us have a mind to endure anything that's thrown at us. The reason is that I, do, I endure for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal, eternal glory. He had a mindset who, un, while understanding that he needed to endure all the things, he understood why he was enduring. The reason he was enduring was for the elect, the church, the Christians. When it comes to our work and the things that we are asked to do as a church and having that mind to endure, do we understand the reason behind what we're doing and why we are doing those things? It's for the church. What does that mean to you? What does work for the church mean to you? Does it actually have an impact to you? Do you understand by what you do, you may be helping someone to gain salvation, to save their souls. By the work that you do, you may be able to help that happen. That should give you a desire and a mind to work and endure anything that comes at us. To have a mind to work needs, requires a mind to succeed. Basically, what do I mean by that is the person who is, has the mind to work is going to understand that it's going to be worth it in the end. They're going to understand when they succeed, it's going to be worth it. When they are doing their, the work, when they're done with the work, it's going to be worth it. 
You know, that wall was finished in 52 days. How incredible is that? These people have, these people have been gone in captivity for 70 years. They have come back, and in 52 days, they have built the walls to their city. Now, there's speculation as to how long these walls were. It could have been anywhere from a mile to two and a half miles long that they had to repair. Not only were they, were they uh, re, rebuilding wall, but they were also repairing other sections of this wall. So it could have been anywhere from a mile to two and a half miles. There is no way today with the modern tools we have that we could get a, a, a road built in a month and a half. Two miles worth of road built in a month and a half. Yet with the, with the tools and the primitive uh, techniques that they would have had back then, they were able to build an entire wall around a city strong enough to protect the people there, to protect the temple of their God in 52 days. They had a mind to succeed. They knew what they were doing, and they knew it was worth it. They understood what they were doing had a purpose and that it was worth doing. Not only did they do this, build this wall that long, the wall was a, could have been roughly 30 foot tall. That's, that's generally the, the numbers I was seeing. About 30 foot tall and about 8 foot deep. So we're talking about a massive wall built in 52 days, a month and a half by these people that were dedicated and had a mind to work. Now to do that, they had to understand that they all had gifts and they all had abilities and they were all using those to serve. Today, as Christians at College Park, in start of 2020, are you using your gifts to serve a greater purpose? Are you using your gifts together in unity with one another to work, to make things happen at College Park? Each of us have a gift. Do you know what yours is and are you willing to use it? You know, we must be unified and we must want to do this work together. So that we may glorify God together. You know, that work, that building that wall, I'm sure people had fights amongst each other while building that wall. I'm sure they annoyed each other to death. Working in close proximity for that short period of time. Constantly working, constantly sweating and being sore and tired. But they worked together. They continued to work together to accomplish the goal, to glorify God. Today, are we seeking the things that are above and wanting to do those things together? The work that the church here at College Park is involved in, are we willing and wanting to be a part of that? Understanding that the reason behind it we have set our eyes to things above. The things that we are doing are for God. And setting our minds so that the work that we're doing is for God, not for our own benefit. You know, one of the cool things that uh, 
I was noticing in this passage, and my wife was a little, was wondering where I was going to go with this when she saw this verse. But Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, is talking about the Tower of Babel. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. You know, this is a story about when the people at Babel decided to build, decided to build a tower. They set their mind to it. You know what God said about that? As one people, there's nothing that they propose that would be impossible. Now, I understand the concept that this is not what God wanted. But I want you to hear there's, other, there's something else said here. As one, nothing is impossible. As one, College Park can do so much good. As one, if we are dedicated, if we have a mind to endure whatever comes, if we have a mind to succeed, if we have a mind to work, nothing is impossible. If we add God in there, what does that tell you? The people of the Tower of Babel were able to, to build a tower to the point that God, was, God said, let's shut this down by themselves. That's an entire race of people. With 12 men, God set the world on fire with Christianity. With 12 men, God changed the course of the entire world. By spreading the gospel. Imagine what God can do here at College Park with a group of a hundred who all have a mind to be dedicated to God, who all have a mind to endure whatever trial and temptation or problems that may arise, and who have a mind to succeed and know that the work is worth it, who have a mind to work.